Welcome to the 30-Minute Hour. It's the weekly podcast where we discuss business, sports, politics, and whatever's on our mind. I'm your host, Eric Twiggs, your procrastination prevention partner. Joining me is Ted Fells, the business strategist extraordinaire and all-around good guy. Good evening, everyone. Also joining me is Britton Smith. He's the Renaissance man. He's the man who refuses to be pigeonholed. Thank you, but no thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Interesting response from our Renaissance man today. Doing a little different. He's he's changing up on his head. Okay. So you got to switch up every now and then. Definitely excited about our guest for this week. She is an author, leadership coach, and speaker. As a Myers-Briggs type indicator, certified practitioner, and certified management consultant, she helps individuals and business executives develop the skills they need to become effective leaders. An award-winning business owner, she's the president and CEO of Ex Nihilo Management LLC. She began her discovery as a child when Wonder Woman became her alter ego. She holds a Master of Science in Management Information Systems from Bowie State University and is a proud member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Please joining me, join me in welcoming Angela Dingle to the 30-minute hour. Well, thank you, Eric, for having me. I'm glad to be with you guys tonight. Thank you for joining us on the show. Now, I have to ask, Angela, tell us about the Wonder Woman alter ego. <laughs> How did it sound like that launched things for you? How did that launch and get you to where you are now? Uh, I, I am one of nine children. Wow. And so with nine children, you get pretty creative about how one entertains oneself. Um, so I had a vivid imagination as a child. Um, I, there were always about six of us together at any one time, and we loved to watch uh, Transformers when it was a cartoon and Wonder Woman when it was uh, when it was a television program that came on on a regular basis. And uh, each of us adopted individual superhero <laughs> alter egos and Wonder Woman became mine. I uh, acquired my first truth lasso when I was in um, Girl Scouts. I went away to camp. I made a truth lasso and I promptly used it on my nephew and just about killed him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Got to watch the truth lasso and get you every time. So the... Definitely. And I'm sure this ties into your book. I mean, your book is titled Discovering Your Girl Powers. Kind of talk to us about that and, and how you, like, who who's the target audience and what inspired you to write the book? So the inspiration behind writing the book was really interesting. I've known for a number of years I needed to write the book, but I kind of was a little hesitant. Uh, I think the most difficult part for me in, in writing the book was trying to figure out who I was talking to. I couldn't. I didn't have an image in my head of who I needed to be writing to or about. It's it's pretty interesting. It started years ago with people saying, hey, you know what, there's something about you, you need to write a book. Well, that all sounds good, but 
what does that look like in terms of execution. I was invited to speak at a conference in December of 2017 in Nassau, Bahamas, and I met a woman there who is an author, and I just thought it was so amazing because she was so much younger than I am. Hmm. And I started talking to her, and she kind of pinpointed it. You, you just need to get an image in your head of who you're writing for. So uh, she and I had a couple of phone calls, and I was able to get in my mind the image of a young, uh, aspiring um, executive, so a young, aspiring uh, professional woman who has a vision in her mind and is trying to uh, communicate that vision in a number of different ways. And um, I was able to pinpoint that the thing that people have talked about with respect to me for such a long time that made them say, I should write a book, had to do with executive presence. Hmm. So, you know, once I had this image in my head, then it became very easy to kind of get the words out. I was just speaking to a person that I know and telling her the things that I know based on my experience and based on this concept of having these powers that women have that are unique to to them from a business standpoint and when it comes to uh, leadership. Hmm. Very interesting. So just really clarify this for our listeners. What exactly are girl powers? So girl powers are the unique talents and abilities that women have in the workplace and in the home that allow them to change their lives, the lives of people in their community, and in their families. Hmm. But they are. So do you have an example? The book focuses on three of them. Okay. So it's all three of them. Do you have like a specific example of a girl power? Mm-hmm. So the three that I talk about in the book are confidence, charisma, and credibility. Mm. And when you look at them from a girl power perspective, if you look at the research, uh, we are still living in a time where there are not a lot of females in the C-suite. Mm-hmm. And research has proven that once you increase the number of female executives in the C-suite, companies' profitability increases, the amount of equity that they can acquire, um, the amount of capital that's invested in those companies goes up by as little as 10%, as high as 30%. Um, Women in the C-suite encourage a larger percentage of collaboration. Uh, It creates a more productive and transformative work environment. So there are a number of different things associated with having a woman in the C-suite that help companies to be more profitable. And when you look at it from a girl power standpoint, well, what does it take for a woman to end up in the C-suite? Well, a whole lot of it has to do with confidence Hmm. because we still live in a society where women are not paid in the same way that our male counterparts are, right? So there's still a pay gap. Mm -hmm. Um, There is uh, still a lack of acknowledgement or recognition about the contribution that women make to the business sector. So for a number of years, American Express has produced a report on the state of women-owned businesses in the United States. And for the past 20 years, um, the number of businesses started by women has doubled in the last 20 years. And that segment continues to grow. Women are starting businesses at one and a half times the rate of our male counterparts, Hmm. but there's still this, um, there's just this gap between what it is that a woman brings to the marketplace and what is recognized in, um, in corporate America. Yeah. And that's interesting. I mean, like I've heard this 
some of the statistics that you mentioned as far as when women take over as CEOs and in a C-suite of companies, the positive impact. How do you feel that a woman's leadership differs from a man's? So at the, you know, at the 30,000 foot level, men are so competitive and women don't necessarily feel that need to be as competitive in the boardroom. Um, and so that's the one thing on the male side. On the female side, um, women tend to uh, lower the temperature of the discussion in the room. So if you're discussing a really tough uh, issue, a lot of times uh, egos can get in the way or voices can get raised or, you know, it just becomes a heated discussion and women tend to, um, you know, just bring down the temperature of that discussion. Um, research has shown that women bring an authenticity to the workplace that uh, it doesn't mean that our male counterparts are not authentic. It's just that it, it is uh, perceived and uh, works in a different manner when a woman is being authentic. And part of that has to do with the fact that you know women are, are nurturing and uh, in some instances, whether they intend to be or not, are viewed from a maternal standpoint, right? It appears that a woman would care more about the employees than a male counterpart might care about the employees. So it's just a difference in leadership styles that tend to um, create an environment where uh, there's increased trust, there is uh, increased opportunity. People, people feel like they have increased opportunity and a lot more collaboration when a woman is in the C-suite. So, so I imagine you, in your work, you encounter women, or even men for that matter, who struggle with confidence. They, they have the skills, they have the background, but it's that lack of confidence that's holding them back. What do you say to that person who may be listening? They, they don't have the confidence. They don't, they don't believe they can make it happen. They feel like they're limited by the glass ceiling. So a whole lot of it is, is what you believe about yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, both of those things are true. So mm -hmm. I offer 10 strategies in the book for how to, how to build confidence, charisma, and credibility. And one of the first strategies I offer is for women to get to know themselves, for whomever the reader is to get to know themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, in, my, in my consulting practice, I do that through assessments. So we either assess their leadership style using something like the Myers-Briggs type indicator, or we might use an, an emotional intelligence assessment, or we might use a conflict uh, management assessment to give them a sense of who they are because once you understand yourself a lot better and realize that you're not you know a lot of times we go through life and I can speak for myself personally when I first started my company I experienced some things in the in the um, business world that I thought were very unique to me hmm. but I signed up and I participated in a research study a two-year research study and I realized those things weren't very unique to me it was happening across the board to a lot of women. And so once you get to know yourself a little bit better and know that it's not just you, right, you aren't taking this thing personally anymore, hmm. then you can begin to kind of live authentically for who you are. When I was a young executive in corporate America, I was told a number of things. I had a male colleague tell me that I would never be successful at anything because I was too honest. I had... Um, 
I have constantly been told that I'm too soft-spoken to be successful. I consider myself to be pretty successful. I've run a business for 17 years and published a book and traveled the world um, to speak at conferences. So if if you believe those things, just like I said when I started, you know, if I choose to believe those things, then I'm limiting myself. Um, so part of getting to know myself over the years was I accept the fact that I'm soft-spoken. It doesn't bother me at all now. The, in, in reality, if people really want to hear what it is that I have to say, they kind of listen a little bit closer, and that's how it works. Um, so I, I, I really work with them to get to know themselves and then to tackle their fears. A whole lot of times there are fears associated with things. We've just been, uh, from a social standpoint, we've been raised differently. Um, little boys are taught to negotiate for what it is that they want, and little girls are taught to be demure and quiet and helpful to other people, to always be helpful. So uh, trying to increase your confidence comes from understanding the situations that might be fearful you, fearful for you and developing uh, strategies to overcome those fears. Yeah. Get them with both feet. And, and try to tackle those fears. Yeah, fears, I mean, that's a big thing I see in my work. I mean, when, when you look at people that you work with, what, what are some of the more common fears that you see that hold people back? Uh, for people in general, um, it's fear of the unknown. You know, mm -hmm. they just don't know what to expect, and so there's this running dialogue in your head about what's going to happen if you go and approach your boss about a promotion or about a raise, right? So you kind of ruminate over this thing in your head without having had the conversation uh, with, with whomever this person is, and it's just fear. It's something that we can't predict the future, so you don't know what's going to happen if you go and have that conversation. Or it might be fear that's been taught. You know, we're raised in, in families. I was talking to a, a family friend over the weekend about the fact that when I was a very young girl, I have seven sisters. We were all just, like, scared of everything, scared of spiders, scared of mice, scared of <laughs> any and everything. And those things can kind of uh, carry over into adulthood, into your relationships with significant others. It can carry over into the way that you run your home, and it can, it can even carry over into how you run your business or how you manage your career. So really understanding what those things are that make you fearful and making a, making a decision that you're going to overcome that fear is really important. So if you are fearful of speaking in public, there are a number of different resources like Toastmasters that you can join so that you get more and more comfortable speaking in public. Yeah, that's 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 excellent. And I had a mentor say something to me that really kept me from being fearful in sales situations or even like the, the situation about the boss. Uh, she would say, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I always think about that. You know, if I don't ask, it's definitely going to be a no. So why not just ask for the business? Yeah. Ted? Yeah, I like to reverse that and say, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is the person says no. Right. Okay, so then you figure out another way to ask the same question over again. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people have issues with asking. Mm -hmm. Right. I've had, mm -hmm. you know, people that have worked in my company that are doing some level of sales and have multiple meetings like okay have you asked for anything or they'll say you had a great meeting today well 
what happened in the meeting? Well, you know, we talked about some stuff. We got to know, okay, what well, did you, you know, what's the next step? Did you ask for something? And, you know, it's kind of crickets at that point. So, uh -huh. yeah, just, uh -huh. you, you need, you need to be, you, you, you ask not, you get not. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I took sales training uh, mm -hmm. years ago, and that was one of the things that they just pounded into our heads. You have to ask for the sale. If you don't ask, you're not going to get the sale. Yeah. But again, I think it comes back, it goes back to confidence, like, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, so, Britton, you wanted to chime in? I do. Um, Angela, it's great that you mentioned that your book um, does have some great advice, you know, just for all individuals who, who will read it. Um, and given that um, our politics, especially uh, in the United States, usually uh, lags behind our social progress, uh, we'll see a lot more diversity in society than we would in our politics. Um, would you talk just briefly about the impact or uh, the detriment of not having women uh, in those good old boy networks available at the policy making table and discussions. How does that impact uh, our, our society? My goodness. Um, so I'm a mom and, and I talk to my daughters about this all the time about how important it is to be actively engaged in the discussions that are happening uh, at a local level and at a national level from a political standpoint. It, the, the, the biggest issue uh, with not having women involved, from my perspective, is the discussion about reproductive rights. I am not certain, and I don't know that I will ever be certain, how a male could make a final decision about my reproductive rights. In no other part of society do you see that occurring. Women don't have the right to say to a man what he can or can't do with his body. And so, um, you know, that point alone just makes it uh, really important for women to be involved. But um, in my other life, I am the chairman of the board for an organization called Women Impacting Public Policy, WIP. And we are advocates for women business owners um, uh, throughout the United States. And we really uh, try to help women understand how important it is to know what's going on from a public policy standpoint because, again, decisions are being made that impact our lives. Um, tax laws right now are not advantageous to women. You guys may have heard of the pink tax, right? So there are personal products that a woman has to use that cost more money than that are taxed at a higher rate than personal products that men have to use. So there are all number of things like that 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 just continue to create an impetus for women to be actively involved in um, in politics, in public policy and politics. Absolutely. So it, now in your book and in your work, you even touch on tips for someone to hone their social skills. Talk to us about that. That's a really interesting um, part of the topic because women can get their feelings hurt hmm. and they let it show. They wear their emotions on their sleeve. And when you're talking about convincing someone to finance your business or to get involved in your nonprofit or to sell you a home or <laughs> give you a loan, you've really got to be able to leave those emotions, um, compartmentalize those emotions so that um, 
so that those things aren't influencing you in a negative way. And emotional intelligence is, is, is your ability to um, make other people feel important while you're speaking to them. So are you actively listening to them? Are you, um, you know, are you having the type of conversation that is appropriate for the situation that you find yourself in? Uh, I was, uh, I'm, I was driving some family members uh, from one location to another uh, after Easter brunch yesterday, and the weather was nice. I had the windows down, and there was a young lady um, who was on the telephone, and every other word out of her mouth was not one that would. Uh, make you want to hire her for a job or finance her loan. Hmm. So it, we are always creating an impression. People are always evaluating us. Someone is always looking. And so this aspect of honing your social skills means that you need, need to be mindful at all times that someone is paying attention. Now, I'm not saying you need to be someone other than yourself, but you do need to kind of pay attention in the same way that you would act in public. It's the same way you need to be acting in private. Yeah, and I think it it boils down to awareness and self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a key trait in life to be self-aware and, and to, to realize how you show up in the world and, and the, the impression that you give. Because people, people tend to make emotion-based decisions that they use logic to justify, you know, if you make them feel a certain way. Um, so, so talk if to us. Look, I'm like, go ahead. If you, if you look at some of the cases that have made the news, you know, people who feel like they are, uh, they are in a private setting and behave in a manner that's not very respectful to other people, and the next thing you know, they've gone viral on social media and on the news because they said something to another person that was not politically correct or or racist or or whatever and so we really have to be aware of what our actions are and how we're carrying ourselves at all times yeah that i didn't even think about the whole social media aspect i mean literally one stroke of the button can change everything mm-hmm. absolutely so, so what about what about mentors yeah i'm i know with your work you encourage women to make sure they're surrounding themselves with the right mentors. Talk to us about that. Mm-hmm. So women need to have mentors and sponsors. And so I'll talk about um, both of them. Uh, most often as a woman is advancing through her career, any person is advancing through their career, they might see a person who, uh, who they admire, either admire their work ethic or maybe the way that they carry themselves and have a conversation with that person about, excuse me, helping them to improve their image or their work ethic or whatever that might be. And in the same vein, someone who's in a more senior position might look back and say, you know what, I kind of like that kid's um, energy and so I will uh, serve as a mentor to them. Mentors talk to you and with you about the things that you want to do. You have a conversation with them, you can ask them questions, and they give you answers. Um, sponsors speak on your behalf. What happens in the corporate world is that young male executives are sponsored by more seasoned executives on a more frequent basis 
than women are. Very often you'll see, you know, the young sales guy that's coming up the ranks and the senior sales guy will show him the ropes on how to, you know, some of his uh, lessons learned and tips for how to be successful. Women tend to seek out mentors. They don't always seek out sponsors. The sponsor is going to be the person that's speaking on your behalf behind closed doors because sometimes the decisions about a promotion, about a new opportunity, about a, uh, a new branch or a new division that's going to open, sometimes those conversations happen uh, away from the boardroom. Sometimes they happen on the golf course. Sometimes they happen over dinner or cocktails. And a sponsor will say to the other folks who are um, making that decision, hey, you know what? I think Eric would be a good guy for that role because I've seen his work ethic or I've worked with him before. And so that's why women need sponsors and not just mentors. So, so Angela, that's an interesting point that you made there with the kind of the mentor and, and sponsor uh, kind of uh, scenario. So are you saying that the male that's uh, that's in the company, he seeks a sponsor? Or the sponsor just kind of happens, hey, you know, we're getting together playing golf or on Thursday? Yeah, more often play. than not. Mm -hmm. More often than not, the, the, the end result is that the up-and-coming males have sponsors and women don't. Women, so this goes back to this fear, right? Women don't always ask for what it is that they want. So one of the statements that I make in the book is you don't get what you want, you get what you negotiate. Well, if you never ask, to Eric's point, if you never ask, you don't get it. And so if you don't ask someone, if you don't make clear to someone that you are looking for upward mobility or you have accomplished this thing and it ought to be recognized, it may not happen. So, so it sounds like though when you, we 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 always hear about the, you know, the business transactions discussions that happen on the golf course, right? So it sounded like the the guys are are getting together outside of the the office and getting to know each other, but still you know still talking a little business, talking some shop while they're out. Are the are the uh, are the women doing that? Are they getting together amongst, you know, their, you know, peers to do, you know, things outside the, the office that include business uh, type discussion? That's actually a, a really good question. Thank and you. And that's the question. All right, Ted. Yeah, you're not trying, that's the question. I try every now and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's the question that was answered in the research study that I participated in. Huh. So what the researchers found was that women have very broad networks, but they are not as deep as our male counterparts are. And I'll give you an example. So I'm divorced, but when I was still in a relationship, my, uh, my ex and I were at my grandniece's birthday party. She was turning one years old. Uh, we are both business um, executives. When I left the birthday party, I knew where my sister got her new pair of shoes. When he left the birthday party, he knew where one of the guests' husbands, he knew who his broker was. Hmm. So 
Yes, we get together. Women get together just like men do. The conversations are different. I can remember walking into a networking event out in McLean, Virginia, and every five minutes a woman had something to say about the pair of boots that I had on. Not once did a woman ask me who my attorney was, who my banker was, who my broker was, you know, who I used to do my, my staffing or recruiting or any of those things. So we just don't have the same type of conversation. So we may know, you know, 300 people, but when it comes to really digging deep and saying, do you know, you know, the, the world-renowned attorney that does X, Y, and Z, our networks just don't tend to be as deep as that. So one of the things that I encourage women to do um, all the time is to play golf. I started playing golf for that reason. Hmm. I'm like, there will not be another business deal cut on the golf course where I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even play that well, and I still go play golf. <laughs> So you so so you are penetrating the good old boys network and with a, a good old a good old girl kind of squeezing in there. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. If you play eighteen holes, you're talking anywhere from three and a half to four hours of one-on-one time with an executive. Or if I'm playing, it could be five hours, but they may have left the, <laughs> left the golf course. The, the marshal was going to come by and get that's you. Right, that's right, that's right. See, see me, me playing golf but, but with... Really, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, me playing golf would be like a career-limiting move. <laughs> <laughs> and we were considering you, yeah, but never mind. That's it's, this guy right here. <laughs> no, I'm sorry, so go ahead, Angela, continue. Yeah, but golf, playing golf tells you a whole lot, right? Yes. So um, if, if I am considering working with a prospective client or um, considering partnering with a prospective teammate, think about all the things that happen on the golf course. What happens if, if uh, my game is very good and their game is not so well? I mean, do they get angry and, and blow their temper? Or uh, what happens if I play horribly? Are they very rude to me or are they gracious to me? You learn a whole lot about the person that you're playing golf with. And like I said, you've got this exclusive amount of time that you can get to spend talking to someone. And so for women, I talk to women about the fact that, um, you know, part of those negotiations and part of those sponsorships, those kind of things happen on the golf course. So it's a place for you to, you know, even if you don't play well, just get out there and, you know, develop a little bit of tough skin. And if you, if you, if you think you're horrible, go take some golf lessons. <laughs> so, so question, is there a, you know, I'm just trying to be careful how I say certain things. So, <laughs> so when you say, okay, guys, it's, all, it's always the example of the golf course. So within the, within women executives, is there kind of the equivalent to the golf course if it's not the golf course that this is the place where kind of women are talking about you know kind of the, the business matters and things like that just kind of throwing ideas around like outside the office mm -hmm. it tends to happen at conferences okay. so there are a number of but there are a number of nonprofits or membership associations where those conversations happen but if you think about that it, it, you know, it's an annual conference as opposed to how frequently could you play golf with someone, mm -hmm. right? And and even at those annual conferences, depending on which conference it is, in particular the ones that happen in the commercial space, 
they will have a golf uh, tournament associated with the conference. So it's not that women don't play golf. It's not that women don't talk about business. It's just that we don't do it in the same manner, and we don't necessarily do it as effectively as men do. Men tend to, women have to uh, combine their responsibilities, well, whether they have to or not, I guess is a question, but women tend to combine their responsibilities outside of the workplace, so your responsibilities at home with what you do in the workplace. It's actually an advantage in the workplace. It makes women much more approachable. It makes them a lot more collaborative. It makes them a lot more willing to listen to other people's perspectives on what might be going on, because very often you have to do that in the home. Um, so, um, and I apologize, I've lost my train of thought, so I'm going to just leave it at that and, <laughs> and ask you the next question. <laughs> gonna, that, no, that have yeah, so it's interesting, I have a, I have a, a mentor that is a, uh, this woman, very powerful, exec, has worked as, you know, been president, partner, some of the larger tech companies mm -hmm. in the, the industry and it's interesting you know we have not had a chance to connect in probably it's probably been some time but every time we get together uh, and I'm and I'm not married right so not married never mm -hmm. been married every time we get together the, the first question she asked me is something pertaining to are you any closer to getting married <laughs> oh wow <laughs> it's, it's like uh, what's going on right. with like it starts there right Mm -hmm. But any time with any, any kind of male colleagues, it never starts there. And she said, oh, Ted, mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to be successful. If you, don't, if you don't do this, if you don't get, you know, everything kind of starts from, hmm. interesting. from mm -hmm. that side when she and I have kind of powerful. Right. I mean, in the boardroom, golf, I mean, just like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, senior positions in like, major organizations I mean phenomenal huh. person but whenever the first con at some point if it's not the first question it'll be the second question hey how's business hey how's life so what's going on with you and it, it is still just it kind of amazes me but it just kind of goes back to you know just kind of I guess how we how we kind of prioritize mm -hmm. things a bit even in dealing with you know, if within my, my organization and we can, you know, like we can get together and like, I know like, you know, being in the office this week, you'll come in and it's kind of like, okay, how was Easter? Right. And it, and it kind of goes into a long kind of discussion before we kind of get into stuff right. where I'm kind of like, yeah, Easter was good. Let's, <laughs> let's jump right into, <laughs> into this. And, you know, and so I guess it, I don't know, it makes me seem like I guess I'm not as, I guess, I don't know, compassionate about family and all. I don't know, but it's kind of like I come in, so how was your weekend? It was good. Okay, let's get, right. let's kind of jump right. right into it. So it's just kind of a, you know, a difference, but I don't think that's at all, you know, but it just is something that I, you know, I notice and I have dealt with. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. There's a school of thought, and I apologize, I can't think of the author's name right now, but there is an author, I thought it was Malcolm Gladwell, but it may not be him, who actually, and so she may have read that there, there's a book that essentially says you need to be in a relationship in order to be really successful. <laughs> uh, one of my colleagues kind of mentions it every once in a while, so I'll have to look it up and let you know what it is. 
So she may be maybe um, saying that from that perspective, or it might just be the you know the maternal part of her that goes, you know, you're you're a great guy, and I want you to be in a relationship and be happy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ted is a great guy. We, yeah. we have to. Yeah, so I guess, but I guess I'm not happy. Like <laughs> <laughs> No, but, no, I did not say that. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it's just interesting how again conversation always kind of goes the same way, and I'm just waiting for it. Like sometimes it may be, it may be the third question, but it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Within the first couple questions, it's you know yeah, kind of goes there. That's interesting. Yeah, you should ask her what her thought process is. I know she's gonna be like Ted. You mean know, it's, it's time. Right, you know, you, you know it's kind of like with my my mother. She, you know, she used to be like you know take your time, and she doesn't say that anymore. You took you you've taken enough of your time. It's time. It's, it's time. Right. Okay. So Angela, how can our listeners get a hold of your book, Discovering Your Girl Powers? Mm-hmm. So it is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and Audible. And you can order a autograph copy directly from me by visiting www.discoveringyourpowers.com. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn and Twitter at Angela C. Dingle. And if you'd like a special gift, they can text Girl Powers to 31996. Okay. And, and so if someone wants to work with you to improve their confidence, get some coaching, what's the best way for them to reach out to you for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if they go to the website, they can um, they can send in a contact. There's a place for them to contact me directly, or they can uh, uh, give us a call at 202-379-4884, and I'm on extension 1. Uh, like I said, you can reach out to me on social media. Our email address is a little bit interesting. That might be difficult to do on the, on the podcast, but um, actually, I'll give you. I do have a second email address: Angela Sing, uh, Angela Dingle, at C is in cat, S is in Sam dot com. Excellent. Very good. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on our show. Now, we typically we end our show with a segment we call "Around the Horn," and that's where each of us takes a moment to leave just some thoughts that are on our mind with the listeners. So what, what final thoughts do you have that you want our listeners to remember from, from your part of the segment, Angela? Mm-hmm. I'd like all the women to remember that we all have Wonder Woman inside of us. <laughs> <laughs> you all have Wonder Woman inside of you. Fantastic. So, so why am I like picturing someone with like these bracelets? Was that? Was that Wonder Woman? Yeah, that's Wonder Woman. Bracelets together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. yeah, with the lasso. The lasso, the invisible plane, and all that. Mm-hmm. Linda, Linda, not a cheap, not a cheap lasso. No. Not a cheap lasso. No, not a, not a cheap lasso. Linda Carter, right? Yeah, the original. Yeah, the original. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Britain. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, again, um, I definitely will be referencing girl powers, of course, to uh, my sisters and cousins and other other friends that I have. Uh, but one of my parting thoughts uh, will be this week is a very significant week. I know we haven't touched too much on sports. Oh, let's do it. Let's uh, as do of it. late. 
but this week is a very significant week for all the football fans as this is the uh, <laughs> upcoming NFL draft. And I guess to merge the two, uh, the conversation that we had today, a good friend of mine, uh, Nicole Lynn, is one of the youngest uh, and one of the few uh, female agents mm, wow. uh, of a lot of prominent NFL players. She has at least, I believe, two or three projected uh, top 20 picks uh, as clients. Wow. So uh, she's on social media, Agent Nicole Lynn, free plug for her. Um, and she is definitely uh, embodying and representing her girl power. So uh, that's, a, I, I guess, maybe she has already received her copy of the book, Angela. So she is a, a, a great example uh, to go off of. But that goes back to the NFL draft. I'm excited to see how that shakes out for uh, my beloved Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. That's awesome news. Congratulations to her. Yeah, congratulations to Britain, and sorry about that whole Chicago Bears thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but. We'll bump heads this season. We'll bump heads this season. <laughs> so, Eric, so we're talking about the uh, the draft. I mean, we're both Redskins fans. I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts around uh, what we're gonna do with that 15th pick? I think we need to draft a quarterback. We need to stop kidding ourselves. Okay. 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 So by the fifteenth pick, I mean, so do you think we ought to wait or try to move up and try to try to get someone trade up, possibly? I mean, I wouldn't be upset if we went ahead and made a move to get was it Rosen hmm. from the Cardinals? Okay. Who was the top pick from last year? But I think you have to have the right quarterback in the building if you want any chance of succeeding. Yeah, we oh, oh, you guys don't have one of those already? <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. Oh, that's right. No, no, we, we, that was below the belt. I we, know, right? Just, uh. <laughs> well, we, 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 well, our problem last year was it seemed like everybody got injured. That right. we had. So we had like what four quarterbacks and two, like one one broke his leg from just a you know a terrible hit, and the other one. Broke his leg because I think he just tripped over the line. He just <laughs> ran on the field the and broke his leg. Broke yeah. his leg. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, but yeah, Angela, really in, uh, enjoyed uh, this uh, discussion with you today and some of the things that you you uh, you talked about. I think a lot of times, I think is you know you know men and you know corporate America. Some sometimes I think we're we may not we may be insensitive to certain things just because we don't necessarily understand it like it's not really our our reality right like some of the things that you talked about when you just talked about like you know certain products being taxed differently right like we're not necessarily thinking about that the everyday person maybe the people that are kind of some of the the policy makers out there probably you know may have some maybe some agendas behind why they do some of those things but you know most of us from a day-to-day -day, i mean you know we're just kind of coming in trying to do what we're trying to do and we're not really thinking about you know how someone else kind of sees you know certain things so just you know a lot of things that you've said today have, have helped me to you know the to take it uh you know 
take more things into consideration, then understand why when I come in the office, they may want to have the long discussion about the weekend, and I just want to kind of jump right, <laughs> right into what we need to, <laughs> need to do, and maybe I, that could help me to maybe, uh, you know, be a better leader for, for all. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And Go ahead. I, I am in no way saying that that our male counterparts do those things intentionally. It's just that um, women just need we just need to be more vocal. We need to be you know actively involved in the discussion. We need to grab a seat at the table and get into the conversation so that uh, people have different perspectives. And so that's what happens when women get into the C-suite. You get a different perspective, and then all of a sudden the people around the room go, oh, man, I wasn't even thinking about that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you were involved in the discussion. Yep. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, you already said several things that I hadn't considered prior to this interview, and I think your work is critical. And kind of my, my around the horn piece really has to do with this idea I talk about a lot in my talks and in my book, this idea of clarity being the starting point of success. That you really have to be clear on what it is that you want, especially if you're talking about your career, whether it's your own business, whether it's a career within a company. I think the first step is getting clear and then you really have to approach it from the standpoint like it's like it is your business, whether it's your business or not. You, with the day, you can't count on we can't count on someone to just recognize the effort and just automatically promote promote us or do things for us or give us the business. You have to ask for it. And, and Angela, I think you were spot on when you were talking about this thing about seeking out sponsors. And from my experience, you can have everything else, but if you don't have the right sponsor, you can miss out on a lot of opportunities. So one of the things, just our, our talk today, Angela, really has reminded me of the fact that clarity is the starting point of success. And I hope our listeners are inspired to really get clear on what they want and not be afraid to ask for it. I agree with you 100%. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> she, she agrees with you 100 thank you guys so much for having me on the show and and we and we'd like to to have you uh have uh, have you come back at some point uh in the future so we'd love to hear more about how things are going with the with your with your business and anything else you could share with our with our listeners yes that would be awesome and, and whatever new girl powers you've acquired. <laughs> well, I am uh, I'm writing the second book for uh, for young adults because uh, uh, the subject has resonated very well with them. So I'll let you guys know when that book is done. Great. Yeah, please do. Please do. Perfect. Please do. Well, this concludes another episode of the 30-Minute Hour. And until next week, have a great one.